0: building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. And now, here's today's show. All
1: right. So, Coach Joe Kennedy, it's awesome to have a man of courage here, and you don't go by Joe. So, you're
2: Coach or your Kennedy? I go by either Kennedy or just Coach or Coach Kennedy. All of them work. It's absolutely great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, you're a great man. I really appreciate it, man. So Coach Kennedy, um, we
1: are trying to wake up the church. We're trying to tell people that America's not just going to wake up one day and realize, oh, wow, we've gone insane and um, everything's going to return back to normal like the craziness we're in is going to keep going and i want to let people know that if we don't do something you're going to be affected and know, that, that quote that says um you know they came for the jews and i didn't do anything because i wasn't a jew and they came for this group and that group and finally it gets to the end and it says and then it came for me but there was no one left to stand up for me right and we're in that time you're one of the first christians that they've after actually come after and they've the left and i mean the, the godless have really gone after you And you're a story of Christian character and commitment. And you didn't ask to be. You didn't ask to be this spokes guy. You didn't ask to be hanging out with Franklin Graham and Ted Cruz. But you have been with all these guys because you took a small stand of courage and it's turned into this huge national story. So just start us off by telling us what happened. um, What am I talking about? And then let's go from there.
2: All right. Uh, in 2006, I retired from the Marine Corps. And I moved back to my hometown. My wife was working for the school district. And she got me a shirt and said uh, Bremerton football on it. And I was out running one day. And the athletic director from Bremerton High School actually stopped me so out it's of a my room. Bremerton,
1: run. really cool area, kind of outside
2: Seattle. Oh, yeah. Out, working class, right across the water from Seattle. Um, Navy you know, town. Navy right. town, uh, kind of low income. Um, little rougher side of of town and uh, the athletic director, he approached me on, on a run and said, you know, did you play football? And I was like, no, I never played for Bremerton, but I graduated from Bremerton high school. All my kids go to Bremerton high school. My wife actually works for Bremerton school district. And he wanted to know exactly, you know, well, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I just retired from the Marine Corps. He said, have you ever thought about coaching? And up to that point, it was, no, of course not. I never thought about coaching football. I don't know anything about football. <laughs> so uh, he, he he realized that the team really needed some um, good role models for these kids to be better young men, not the X's and O's parts, but how to make uh, the character, uh, team building and leadership part of it. So that's where I came in and they offered me a job and uh, yeah, I took it and I, from that moment on, I was uh, praying uh, every single game that we had after every football game on the 50 yard line, you know, win or lose, give thanks to God. Wasn't anything real special. It was just a, you know, quick little 15, 30 second prayer thanking God for what those guys just did on the field. I mean, they just battled for, you know, an hour and, you know, they gave everything. So just to witness that and to be part of it, I was thankful. So I just took a knee and Thank God I did that uh, without incident for eight years. So for eight years, that's your tradition. You go up and you say a little
1: prayer at the 50-yard line, just thanking the Lord for whatever happened during the game and
2: all that. Right. And, uh, you know, the first couple months, it, the kids had no idea what I was doing. The coaches had no idea what I was doing. And a couple of the kids came up and said, Coach, what were you doing out there after, You know, after the game? And I was like, Thanking God for what you guys did. It was no big deal. It's who I am. It's what I do. And they said, Well, can we join you? You know, we're Christians. Can we join you? I said, This is America. Absolutely. You could do whatever the heck you want to do. So a couple of the kids came out, you know, and then a couple more came out. And before I knew it, we had the whole team out there. And, you know, this went on for years. And, you know, it wasn't like overnight. And next, you know, as as it went on, then we started uh, the kids started inviting the other team to join us. They were like, "Coach, can we jo- have the other team join us?" And I was like, "You're the leaders of this team. This is your call. This is your team." And they started inviting the other team. And the last year I coached, we had every single school in the district joining us out on the fifty yard line, really? playing with us. This is in Seattle. In Seattle. Wow. And it was, you know me just standing there i held both helmets up and just said hey god thank you for what these young men just did they they battled for 48 minutes they came out here as enemies and were leaving his friends in your name and mayman i mean it was a really benign thanking god for what just that's happened
1: that's a hard thing to do in football i mean a lot of fist fights in football it's harder to be in a fist fight when you know you're going to be praying after the game together. That
2: was the most amazing part, because you know the tradition, they go across on the 50 and they shake hands and it's like, good game, good game. And they're really saying blah, 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 blah to each other. You know, <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to beep that, but you know the way high school kids are. They have that chip on their shoulder and there's some you know hurt feelings afterwards, especially if you you know win or lose by 60 points. It's hard to be graceful under those conditions. But every time we had that prayer, it was this moment of peace. They, they, both teams integrated. Everybody touched each other on the shoulder, took a knee, and it was just a moment of peace and good sportsmanship right there. And that's where all this thing actually started was because of a compliment. One of the educators from another school district saw what we were doing and complimented, called into the high school football, my high school, called Bermatown High School Football or the principal and said, Hey, I just went to a football game. I'm new to the district down here. I saw what you guys did as a program. It's really incredible. And that's how it all started investigating me because we did something good and we received a compliment.
1: All right. So somebody comes new to the district. They see both teams after the game, get together as friends, pray together, leave as friends. So he calls the principal to say how amazing it is that all these Testosterone filled high school kids would do this. And the principal goes, hmm, I've got a bunch of unity, racial unity, um,
2: unity across class. Let me investigate that. That must be a bad thing. It was dumbfounded at at the time. I had no idea what was going on. They brought in their lawyers to make sure I was doing everything correct. And, you know, they, they gave me this warning the athletic director said, hey, make sure you don't pray, you know, after the game. And I'm like, You know, I'm a rebellious kind of guy, and I'm like, well, what are you gonna do about it? I was a Marine for 20 years. You are gonna take away my First Amendment rights? No, that's not happening. And he says, you better not do it because the principal's asking about it. And so I'm sitting there going, hmm, what's worse that could happen? And we had one of our coaches was a lawyer, and he says, well, they could fire you. And after that game, I was so stressed out that game. It was a doubleheader. You know, I'm sitting there going to, you know, doubleheaders are huge because you have not only your fans, but their fans and the next game coming up. We went in double overtime and I wasn't sure I was going to actually pray, right? And uh, um, athletic director comes up, puts his arm around me and says, he goes, boy, we sure dodged a bullet with that. And I was like, yeah, it's amazing how God works those things out, huh? So I went over there, met, you know, the other team, shaking hands with the coaches and stuff. I I was talking to the coach because we had another game on Monday. This was on a Friday night. We had another game on Monday. And as I'm talking to the coach, the other team comes running up and this kid from the other team at Calhoun High School, or secondary school, hands me his helmet and says, Coach, would you use my helmet for the prayer? And I was like, oh, absolutely. My team came over, and we did the prayer, and I right after I got done, then I realized, am I going to be in trouble for this? I look over, and the head coach is like, mouthing the words, they're going to fire you. And the other coaches were just shaking their head, and now I'm kind of stressed. Did I really just screw up? I mean, is, is this what it com- comes to? I mean, this is America. They can't do anything to me, you know? I'm not, I'm not a teacher, I, I'm just a high school football coach and I can't give a, a prayer of thanks, give me a break. And that's how it all started out. So,
1: what was the process of you actually being fired? So, were you fired after that
2: game? No, that's that's when we actually met with the lawyers and or their lawyer, and you know they we 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 really tried to work out together. These guys are my friends. I've I worked with these people. My wife works with these people. The superintendent goes to my church. I mean, these are my friends. We are like family. We go out on Friday nights. We meet. And in when the you office. say these guys, you mean the administrators? The the- administrators, all of us. We, I mean, we we're a small community. So, you you become really good friends with these people, and we really tried to work it out. And the way we, we we sat down in a room and they said, "We just can't have you praying with the kids." And I was like, "Well, that's unfortunate, but okay, your school, your rules. You know, I, I'm not going to try to run with what whatever you dictate." So you're not through. trying
1: to be a jerk.
2: No, you're really oh, God, trying no. to
1: get along. And even though you've seen how amazing this has been for all these kids. You're still saying, "I want to make peace," and so you're willing to not play,
2: uh, pray with the kids to just to make them happy. That is correct. I went before the school board and I I fell on my sword and said, "Hey, I, I I'm sorry, you know. Hey, your school, your rules." I said, only thing I want to be focused on is those young men in our football program. I don't want to cause any rift with the school, our community, none of this. I didn't want any of that. Not to mention, you know, I said my wife works for the school district and both of my kids, all three of my kids were at the high school at the time. So this was a huge thing. And I really tried to work with them. And so the first time they said, okay, just don't pray with the kids. And I said, okay. So what I did is I, went to go back to doing what I was gonna do originally. It wasn't to include the kids. That wasn't my purpose of doing it. It was to thank God. So as I went out there to do that, the other team joined me. I waited till my team went off of the sidelines to do the fight song. I went out to the 50 to do, you know, my prayer. And next thing I know, I have all these people around me and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, I got my eyes closed, I'm on, on my knee and I know it's football players because you know, football players, how bad they smell after a football game. I'm sitting there going, oh, God, don't, this is part of my prayer. God, don't let this be my football team. So I finish up my prayer. I stood up, and I'm looking into the eyes of all these kids with the wrong color jerseys on. And I realized the other team joined me in the prayer. My team was stole over doing the fight song, and I was kind of lost, like, "What, what's, what's happening here? Were there coaches with them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they joined us, and... Or join me i might have even had you know because i'm never aware of who's around me i'm just thanking god and so yeah that was the point where the school district said oh well you're still praying and people are joining you you can't do that and i needed help i needed help really bad because they got lawyers and i'm just you know the schmuck high school football coach You know, I, what do I know about the law? I I figured the first amendment, you know, the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. I thought that meant what it meant. Silly you. Yeah. I'm an idiot. So I had to get some help. And so uh, I got a phone call. It was like a God thing. Um, And I hate to bore you with details, but it was, I mean, really a God thing. I coached with a guy named Mike who played football for Bremerton High School so he's he's an alumni we've been good friends forever you know we coached together he was in the army I was in the Marines he had one of his buddies who became a lawyer and he says this is crap what they're doing to you so he said I have a friend who's a lawyer who's gonna call you he called me and hooked me up with uh, the guys with First Liberty because I, w- I didn't want to talk to anybody who do, who do you talk to you know you getting a million phone calls And who's got 300 bucks an hour for a Mid-level attorney. Yeah. On, on my pay, really? You yeah. know, it's like that, that's a month pay, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, they called me up and said, hey, well, we want to represent you. And it's funny because the first thing they asked me is, you're not one of those rel- religious wackadoodles, are you? And I started laughing. I'm like, no, I'm not that guy. Yeah, definitely not that guy and so they took the case and they, they were the ones to help me navigate to stand up for my rights and told me what my rights were as an American. No are you fired at this point? No at this at this point I am I am uh, I've received I think two letters of uh, direction so reprimand Yeah, exactly. They tell you, hey, this is what you can and cannot do and if you don't abide by these rules then, the next thing is going to happen. So this is my second one. My lawyers advised me that hey, legally they cannot do anything to you. You stand up for your rights if that's what you choose to do and they left it up to me. And so I said, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I gave my commitment to God. And if I didn't stand up for what I believed in, how could I teach these young men to stand up for what they believe in? Good for you. I couldn't look in the mirror and and sit there and say, hey, I want you guys to kill yourself every single day and on Friday night and on Mondays, you know, during a football game, and then be that hypocrite that when things get tough for me, I'll just kick back and relax and shy away from that. No, I had to stand up for what I believed in. And I had to set that example to them that when things get tough, no matter how bad it is, you still stand up and do what is right. And so that's when the school districts, they, they came to a head and they said, if you do, if you pray anymore, we're gonna take the next step and so they did they took the next step and they said you're on administrative leave and then at the end of the year we have our evals and that's when the coaches sit down and we say hey are you coming back next year and they write if you're coming back and if they want you back well yeah i wanted to come back you know i i'm missing the half the football season so and then they said do not rehire which is a death sentence i mean Basically, we don't want this guy anymore. You can't, you can't coach here at Bremerton anymore because I prayed and I'm going, are you serious? So I missed half my football season with my team that went to the playoffs that year. And I sat there on the sidelines with them and, you know, did the best I could from the sidelines.
1: We're going to get into, there's a major legal battle that's occurred, and is occurring, and you are in the middle of setting some real um, legal precedent that will really benefit all of America. You're you're this 20-year Marine, football coach, wife working for the school district, minding your own business, going out to pray and unifying boys, and they've decided to come after you. So, you're becoming this major thing. But what I want to know is, how did you get to be so gutsy? like? You know, lots of Christians would have just bowed their head and said, Well, golly, you know, I want to be a nice guy, and I don't want to be offensive to anybody. And so, um, we're seeing the church recede, 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 recede. Um, Even, you know, with this whole COVID thing, and how many churches quickly close their doors. Well, we don't want any trouble. You didn't didn't back away. You, You very graciously stood for what's right. You didn't pound your chest. You know, you didn't make a big scene. Very graciously and quietly, in a very godly way, You stood up for truth.
2: What made you so gutsy? I I really wish that I could, you know, sit there and with a, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. During the time, there were moments of absolute weakness where I did not want to. I I really wanted, the easiest thing would have been to agree with them. Cause that's, I I just wanted to coach football. I didn't want to leave my team. I didn't want all this attention. I, I sure as heck didn't want to get fired. Talk about pressure on my family, my wife, in the school district, and my team. Who who wants any of that? I, I would have gladly given that up. But, again, I was called to do this, and God put me on that field for a reason. So now, looking back, you know, you can always see what the picture of the puzzle is after you put all the pieces together. When I was a kid, you know, I went through a lot of hell. And, it, you know, I was a fighter. I've been a fighter since... I could ever remember you know seven-year-old kid you know in trouble fighting getting kicked out of schools and homes and everything else and then going into the marine corps also to be a fighter and that's what i've been called to do i i think about you know they think, talk about these good Christians, you know, that are out there full of love and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I got a lot of phone calls that said, what kind of Christian are you? You know, you're just being, you know, combative with these people. You should just agree with them. And I'm like, I'm not that kind of Christian. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just not. Neither was Jesus. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I maybe that, uh, you know, guy David or, you know, the fighter in the Bible kind of guy, you know, that's, I, I'm the fighter, you know, that's what God has raised me to do. He, I didn't understand that growing up, all the hardship and everything I ever went through. And it made me tough up for that moment where I could stand up. And I met with a, uh, um, the, the leader of uh, the atheist group there in Washington State, the, you know, the satanic group that showed up at our football game. I met with their leader. Uh, we had lunch together. And he said, you, you remind me of this guy in the Bible, Peter. That guy, he said that to me that he goes, you're just like him. I go, how so? And he goes, three times the school district told you to turn your back on God. And three times you said you wouldn't do it. Wow. And that was that realization, that moment of like, I did I, I did what I was supposed to do. You know, you, you maybe pass the test or whatever, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You always like to think, I, I'll stand up for God. I would never turn my back on God. I don't turn my back on my friends. I don't turn back on people that are weaker than me. I stand up for all those people. But could I really stand that trial if I could? And God prepped me up to that moment through all the hell I went through growing up for that moment, and it all made sense. I saw the puzzle pieces all put together.
1: So when you have lunch with a Satanist, who says grace? (laughs) I did. Yeah, so I was just wondering, yeah, does, yeah. does he wear, like, know, a, me, does he wear like a big goat head on his on his head or something? A,
2: <laughs> he was—he actually hand. knew the Bible inside out and backwards. They usually do. It, it was pretty incredible.
1: I, I like how you, you have, I'm, I'm going to guess your wife's name's Denise. Yes. From the giant tattoo on your forearm. There. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, that was yes. my birthday present.
1: Is that right? To yeah. uh, that was from her to you to
2: put her name on your on your. It, it was mine to her kind of thing. It was oh, like, okay. what I want for my birthday. Birthday presents suck for me. You know, Who's what, what do I want? I don't really want anything. And I was like, I want to get a tattoo with your name on it. That was what I wanted. Well,
1: it's always good, too, in case you forget her name. Yeah. Because then you can be like, what's yeah. for dinner, Denise? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Every morning I wake up, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah. That's, what I'm, <laughs> That's it. There I am. I'm good.
1: <laughs> okay. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back. I want to get a little bit more into your childhood that made you so tough. The, the fact that you were adopted and rejected by your parents, I mean, whew, that's some pain, yeah, but it, it turned you into the man you are. And then I want to find out where is your lawsuit? You've had a weird conglomeration of people support you, not the usual suspects. You've had some really interesting people who um, we would not consider generally the kind of people that we would think would support us, yet at the same time, they had the integrity to be consistent with their beliefs and say, Hey, if we can take a knee for our cause, then coach can take a knee for his cause. And I love that, man. I want to hear that because one of the things we need to do in the church is start to really be consistent with who we are and practice love everywhere we can and be consistent with our own beliefs as well. So, uh, after a little break, let's get
0: back and, and get it all out. Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities like Promise Keepers by crafting customized, innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan utilizing business interest, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts giving funds, and more. These donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org. And now, back to today's show.
1: So talking to coach Kennedy, um, about the fact that he stood up for your right for your free speech, you silly man, you, and also your right to practice religion, even sillier in Seattle, because you thought Seattle was America.
2: I I thought it was, I thought it was in the United States somewhere. I think that's in doubt actually. But,
1: um, and so we're, we're talking about that and we've talked about the fact that you, all you were doing was praying. After a football game, your players and then all the other teams decided to come and pray with you in this amazing show of unity, and they decided that they
2: would fire you for that. Right, right. and to actually be even clearer than that, after they told me to stop praying with the kids, I went back to my normal practice, and when they fired me it was for praying alone on the on the.
1: So you and you even obeyed that part of it, and they absolutely. still absolutely yes. But your story of courage, because there's a lot of people out there that go, man, what I, what I have, what it takes, but you went through a lot of pain in your childhood. You were adopted as a young child and give us just a little bit more of that before we get into your lawsuit, because it's a, I always talk about how God teaches us through pain and he gets us ready for, we don't know what assignment, and it may be like in your case, 40 years later, but pain makes us strong. And so tell us more
2: about, about that. Absolutely. I was uh an, until you know, I was about five, six, somewhere in there. I was always a rebellious kid, full of energy, you know. My parents, they adopted um a couple kids. They adopted an older girl and then about a uh, year later they adopted me. And how old were you when you were adopted? Uh I was just a couple days old. Okay. So you're and a baby. yeah, I was born as baby doe. Um I found out you know, many, many years later, the story about my, my biological mom and everything like that of, of her background. But I was put up for adoption at birth. I was born as a baby doe. I was adopted. Uh, my parents, adoptive parents, they couldn't have kids. And being a good Catholic, they had to have lots of kids. So they started adopting. Then all of a sudden, through miracle science, they started having kids. And boom, next thing you know, they got, I don't know five, six, seven of them, and they didn't need my older sister or myself anymore. And they told us we were adopted, which made all the sense in the world to us of why we always felt different, why we didn't feel included with the rest of the kids. And uh, it was, an ongoing battle for us the whole entire time. Um, my sister, she's still a mess. Uh, I I was a complete mess. I was always in trouble. Uh, they started kicking me out of the house at a really early age. I was uh, a runaway from probably age nine on. So your parents started kicking you out of the house? Yeah, they, they didn't need us anymore. And that's know, unbelievable. they said the worst thing they ever did was the day, or the worst thing that ever happened to them was the day that they adopted me. And Holy that God. sets a really, yeah. And, and that, that hurts when you're a kid, you know, I mean, you, you, are a kid. What do you know about anything? You don't know anything about life. And then you have the people who are supposed to be your parents tell you that that was the worst thing they ever did was to adopt me. So I would, they put me over in foster homes. Uh, I was in child protective custody a few times, um, half a dozen, probably different group homes and foster homes, and uh, also a boys home. I I spent um, a couple years there. So, you know, the whole time I was a teenager, I was, I mean, that's just a short time. And I spent all of that time in and out of the system and going from one place to another. And I was always battling, because I never spent any time in a real, I would say, good home. It wasn't like foster families, it was like foster homes. So, I didn't have that love and nurturing and all that stuff that all, all the other kids got. I had a really good neighbor and I had a couple friends that looked out for me and made sure I was fed. But beyond that, I was, if I needed money, I'd steal it. If I didn't like you, I'd punch you in the face. I, I was that bad kid and I was in and out of just about every school in, yeah, it definitely in uh, Kitsap County and uh, quite a few around the state of Washington and Oregon how did you come to know Christ I I had a, a little dabbling when I was at the at the boys home it was a christian boys home um they planted a lot of seeds there and I tried it on kind of like a suit I would try it and see how it looked on me and while I was there it looked good but as soon as you leave that I went right back to what I know mm. so but the seeds were planted and I didn't know that and I I really turned my, my, I went right into the Marine Corps after I left the boys home, and I, I never looked back. Only thing I did is just really say, there is no God. That's a that's a story that people tell, you know, people that are on their deathbed, so you have something to look forward to when you die. I, I had no faith. I, it wasn't, I wasn't uh, per se atheist or Satanist or anything like that. I just, there's nothing when you die. That's the way I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps was there was no God. And then, right at the twenty-year mark, I met my love of my life. Who I met her when we were nine. She lived down the road. Twenty-year mark of what the Marine uh, Corps. The Marine Corps. I was getting ready to retire, and uh, I reunited with uh, my first love. And we met when we were nine years old. Denise, the whole tattoo thing. I'm uh, glad you had. That, I know I can keep yeah, you yeah. How's Denise? She, she's good today. <laughs> I tell you, while while she was uh, working for a school district, it wasn't good, and. Uh while I was growing up, we we couldn't date because I was such a bad kid. We but man, I've been in love with her my whole entire life. But she was the one uh, we reunited uh, right my last year of the Marine Corps, and she was in a. Now, where were you stationed? I was uh, down in Portland, Oregon. I was on my twilight tour. I got You have a, Marines in the in Portland. Yeah, there's a reserve unit down there, oh. um, engineering unit, and so my job was to train all those young Marines to go over to Afghanistan and to Iraq because I was the one with combat experience. So my job was to train them to go into combat. Now, where did your combat experience come from? Uh, from the Desert Shield, Desert Storm over in uh, the Gulf. So I'm
1: looking at your attorney, Mike Perry over here, who was in the second, right? He deployed for the second one. I can say that, right? I can, yeah. You're in Afghanistan. So a lawyer, Marine, which is a room full of Marines, man, so. I know,
2: that's good t- a testosterone around here. Hoorah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so you're, you're in your last year, you meet Denise, you're not yet saved.
2: No, uh, we, uh, we got married and we, we, I was still down in Portland and I was coming up on weekends and every weekend she would be going to church on Sunday and she'd say, hey, do you, uh, you want to go to church? And I'm like, nope, I'm going to watch a football game, or I'm going to work on my truck, or I'll do anything except for go to church. Go go do your thing. And she was so patient, she would only ask me once. Now, at this point, why don't you
1: want to go? It is because it's just, you don't believe it, It, it you don't oh, like you know, Christians. It,
2: it, it, well, there's numerous things, because I, I, was, I didn't like a lot of those churchy people, you know, the holier-than-thous, because I was not that. Um, I really didn't believe in God at all. It was you know, I was, and I had nothing against people of faith, you know, that that was their thing. It wasn't my thing. So I let her do her thing. Well, about the, I don't know, about three months into uh, our marriage, uh, on a Sunday, she said, Hey, want to go to church with us? And I said, Nope. Football game, Seattle Seahawks playing, you know, Denver Broncos. Yeah. So I'm all excited about the game. And she says, okay. She goes to go out and our son he looks and says, can I stay home with him then? Do I have to go to church? And I'm like, ooh, I'm setting a bad example. So I went to church and I did that whole cross my arm, sit in a you know, seat and listen to this guy run his suck about blah, blah, blah for an hour. And then, you know, when you start to get that little voice in the back of your head and I'm going, you know, shut up, I'm not listening to you. But I started going to to church, and with Denise seeing how God was working in her life and how much she talked about him. I didn't even realize she was talking about him all the time, all the blessings that she had and whatnot. And we prayed at every meal while I was sitting there looking at the meatloaf, you know, she's praying. and But it slowly started sinking in. And then one day God just kind of slapped me upside the head and said, hey, what do you think? And I said, you giving me this, this life, a chance to be with a woman I love. And I want to do it. I'm all in. I mean, it was just like the world crashed down around me. You know, I I was out of the Marine Corps. I didn't have a job, but I had a great woman and I had a family to provide for. And I was like, I'm going to try God out again. But if I do it, I want to do it 100%. You know, the whole tithing thing. And I was like, Man, I can't even make it on my 100%. How am I gonna make it on my 90%? You guys are crazy. And she says, just try it. And I challenged God every day. I, every day I was like, hey, if you're up there, I need some help here, bud. You know, if you, if you really want me to follow you, show me something. He showed up every single time. And from that moment on, it was living my life for him. And it really solidified when the coaching thing happened. And I was, you know, Watching the movie, it was came on right when I was, needed it most. And it the was the movie being all the Facing the Giants, yeah, by it, the Kendricks. Yep. And great movie. And I mean, can you get any more clear of a message? You're offered the the job on a Friday, and that weekend I'm flipping through the channels, and that movie comes on, and it was the biggest gut punch.
1: I so you're talking about when you were offered the job to be a football, to coach, be a football and coach, you happened to see facing the giants facing that the weekend.
2: giants and i fell to my knees and i don't know what it literally is about did those you guys. know
1: that you were about to be in your own version of facing the giants had no idea
2: later. none whatsoever but that's where i got the whole i'm going to give you the credit you know give you praise after every game win or lose that's where i got it from because it hit so hard to home you know i i don't cry i'm not one of those Kind of guys you know i don't have a lot of emotions that way and oh my god i was sobbing like a baby and it was i've never dealt with that before god i mean it was like he reached into me and just pulled out everything and i surrendered 100 percent of everything to him and that's the way i lived since
1: so you're literally uh, a you know a story from the book of first peter where it talks about how if a if a wife is married to a to an unsafe man Um, the best thing she can do is to be a godly woman and that godly example will attract her husband to Christ. That's exactly your story. Yes, absolutely. So you're filled with pain rejected by your parents twice, your birth parents and then your adoptive parents. You've gone through all this. You've you've been through the training of the Marine Corps. You you marry a woman and for the sake of the example to your son, you start going to church. Yes. The, The godly example that she is and then finally the Kendricks movie facing the giants is what drives you to your knees and and in tears surrendered an old marine crying man that's that's awkward that's just an ugly cry Uh, right there you don't even know how to cry yeah no yeah
2: not doing it again
1: and then and then eight years later here you are silently standing up for your faith little did you ever know or sign
2: up to be this picture of christian persecution yeah talk about the wrong guy i i felt absolutely 100 percent not qualified to be anything except for who I am I'm, I'm just this average guy you know I'm not that guy who needs to be you know the the spokesman for Christians he that's wrong not me <laughs> wrong guy don't know the Bible don't don't have a lot of that background I, I I to this day I don't even believe it it's just bizarre to me God has a really warped sense of humor but he's got a big sense of humor too. <laughs> um,
1: well, he was getting you back for calling him Bud. Yeah, you know, I guess that's what it was. Um, so you now end up. First Liberty takes your case. You lose at the local level because you're in you're in the People's Republic of the State of Washington, yes. and then um, hey, sorry Spokane. Spokane's a great city. Oh yeah, anything, don't, don't want to include Spokane. Anything east of the mountains is yeah. is good. Um, then you lose at the Ninth Circuit. Yes. And then you go to the Supreme Court. Yes. So here you are in the Supreme Court of the United States. Just crazy. Oh, yeah. This this fatherless kid
2: in the Supreme Court, what happens? Uh, you know, I, I wish my lawyers would tell you that whole story because, you know, like the Bible, I don't know all the details. I, I'm i I'm ill-equipped for it. That's, but
1: actually, that's what we want, though, is we want the common man's version of what Yeah. Happened.
2: So the Supreme Court said, we don't have enough of the information. But because we never really got down to the nitty gritty of it, we just kept really just appealing off of, hey, we wanna get coach back on the, on the sideline, you know, back on where he needs to be in coaching, get him out of the stands and onto the sidelines with his team, he needs to be coaching. So we filed an injunction, that's the one that went right up to the top, just to get me back on. And the Supreme Court, I guess four of the justices, they said, hey, this is a bunch of crap. We wanna know the details of this because we're very concerned about the implications here. Yeah, the, the
1: freedom of religion, freedom of speech. You had some people file stuff in support you. What you. Barry, what do you call it? Uh, amicus
2: brief. Amicus,
1: I court brief. amicus, oh, I thought it was amicus, is it? That's kind of the, yeah. Amicus, if, amicus. You're, that sounds bad. if you're simple-minded, yeah, it's a, yeah, that's a, amicus. Yeah. Okay, amicus sounds like somebody's name. Uh, amicus Spartacus. brief, yeah. yeah. And and Chad Hanning's our board member, one of those guys. Oh, that dude is awesome. Yeah, uh, he is awesome. Man, for an Air Force guy, you know. He,
2: yeah, he makes up for it in size. Yeah, <laughs> giant. I wore his ring and it went over two of my fingers. Yeah, it's a, it
1: makes a nice wristwatch. Yeah, you know. Um, but you had some other guys uh, file that that basically said if if we can fi- if we can take a knee for Black Lives Matter. Coach Kennedy can take a knee to worship Christ.
2: That one was really great. That's pretty cool. That's Garfield High School up in in the Seattle area. Very low, low low-income school, um, predominantly black. Um, One of our coaches, he went to go coach over there. And these coaches, they were taking their First Amendment right, and they exercised it by taking a knee in protest of uh, racism and all the injustice going on. This was early... Back in the Kaepernick days, you right, know, right. not where it's become a fad now. It, but they, the coaches and the team did that. And the coaches, I mean, Washington's not that big in football, you know, where we all know each other. So when they saw what was going on, it was really incredible that they said, hey, that's that's not right. We're exercising our rights by taking a knee. Why can't that guy do it too? That's awesome, man. And I, and, you know, as a Marine, do I agree with people taking a knee during a national anthem? Well, personally, no. But it is their right as Americans. That's where I have the conflict of being a Marine and not having the luxury of being able to judge people. The First Amendment is very clear to me. It people have rights, and I fought to defend those rights twenty years. And I still I think about the oath of enlistment makes it he- you know hair in the back of my neck stand up thinking about to support and to defend the Constitution of the United States. That meant something to me. So, those guys that are doing it, I backed them up 100% with their rights. It was just incredible that they did the same thing. They backed
1: you up. That's awesome. And I'm sure Nike signed you to a big endorsement deal like they did Kaepernick for taking a knee.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm wearing... Oh, wait, these are Crocs.
1: (laughs) I was close. So, where's your case now? So it went to Supreme Court. They kicked it back because they said we need right. more information. We need more
2: information. So we went back, and the uh, district court had an opportunity to, I think, do what was right and actually make a ruling on it. And unfortunately, they punted. The guy said, Oh, I'm just the lowest guy in the totem pole. It gives me no, no faith in our justice system at that moment. And so he punted to the ninth. The ninth, we sat down and had uh, three judges. and. We didn't get three words out of my lawyer's mouth before we got interrupted by the judge, and the judge said, I don't think that's right. This is my understanding of the facts, and started saying all these things that are not true, and I'm flipping through the papers going, where did that come from? That's not fact. The facts are in front of you, but he made up his own facts. And So this uh, is
1: what we're talking about when we hear about activist judges. He wasn't oh, interested in hearing the truth or the facts. Correct. He didn't want to be confused by silly things like facts. Right. He wanted to have his agenda. And this is what we talk about when we say we got to get rid of activist judges, right? So, he's-
2: Absolutely. And I am so glad I was not in that room with them. And, <laughs> and I, if, if I could ever say thank God for COVID, that was the time because we weren't allowed to be in close contact with people. I, there was no way I could hold back my expression or anything. I, and we were muted when we were, I was in the room and thank God for that. Because I might've said a couple uh, choice words at that moment, Free but I was, words. yes, absolutely.
1: So now it's, it's stuck in the ninth circuit at this point.
2: Yes, that they're holding on to it. We were going to go right to the Supreme court. We were ready to file and, uh, uh the, Ninth Circuit decided to pull it back, and they want the—I guess—the whole entire Ninth Circuit to weigh in on it now. I guess they need more ammo so that they could stand up for what they believe in instead of the law. And because if it's—it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and that's where the fight's going to be. So it's going to be the Ninth Circuit against the Supreme Court. And I'm just putting my faith in God that He's going to actually. Have people who rule on justice instead of their own agendas.
1: So, this is a story about why people need to start getting involved. And, um, I mean, you're a guy who's lost your job now for six years. You've been dragged through the legal system. And thank the Lord for Kelly Shackelford and Mike Perry and First Liberty because they've stood with you all this time for free. They work on people's donations. And for people listening to this and saying, man, I have some money I'd like to give away, um, I would tell you that you could. One of the greatest things you can give money to is First Liberty because they are taking on cases like this. And I frankly, and I've been in, in briefed on this a lot by Kelly, um, but my own opinion is the Ninth Circuit does not want to get this to get to the Supreme Court because it's going to set case law. That's going to be really, really inconvenient for the activists and the people who hate God, and so they're holding on to this, trying to come up with some kind of right. much mishmashy imam- thing.
2: Imagine what it's looking like right now, because the way I understand, it, in just layman's term, is that any employee, public or government employee, that shows any sign of religious—I um, forget what the word they use—is uh, demonstrative. Uh, you know, you demonstrate any faith, any public. Demonstration of your faith. Think about the implications of that. That poor lunch lady is wearing a crucifix, or some Jewish person that's wearing a yarmulke. It, right now, the way they have ruled is that is illegal and that you can be fired for it. I was. That's anybody else. And people that aren't standing up right now and aren't furious about that aren't paying attention. I, you know, 20 years in the Marine Corps, I never paid attention to politics or the way the world was. I was just out there defending. Now I find out that America doesn't mean what I think it means anymore. The you know the First Amendment doesn't mean the freedoms that we have, and we are losing them every day. And people don't even realize it. It's infuriating. And where, where did all the men go? Why aren't we standing up and saying, "Hey, this is America. This is our country. We have fought and died to make sure everybody is the land of the free." And where did they go? What happened to them? Because I. I don't know where they're at. And the ones that are supporting, like the ones that are donating to First Liberty, could you imagine a high school football coach trying to pay for? I could maybe pay for a phone call with those guys. So the people that are given to First Liberty, and I would be lost without them because no way is the average American able to you know, pay lawyer fees for six years. I can't even fathom what that is. It, it's just and I hope more people will take, you know, stand up and use the, the, you know, lawyers that are out there. Stand up for your rights. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get fired? I mean.
1: You know, when I, when I had my first company, I had an employee who was Muslim, and 9 uh, 11 happened. And uh, I had a prayer area set up for him because he had to have a wall he could face with nothing on it. And it had to be facing, you know, a specific direction. And he had to have a prayer rug. And I had he had a whole set up there that he could go pray. Now, I used that opportunity. And I went to Scheib. Who was one of my best employees who was, with me, who was with me? Even when I sold my company, I brought him with me because he was such a great employee. And I would say to Shai all the time, you know, hey, Shai, when you get tired of trying to earn your way to heaven, let me know and I'll tell you about the grace of Jesus. You know, and <laughs> we would have quite a bit of laughs. Yeah. Uh, we got to be consistent. And I would never have infringed on his right to pray because that is America. And I believe Absolutely. that's Christ, that people have the freedom to make a choice. We let them have their freedom. Christ said, follow me, it's a choice. He's not a tyrant. So I, I made sure that Shaib had a great place to pray. So I, yeah. I put my faith where, where my mouth is. That's awesome. Um, and I don't think anybody would, you know, if it was a, a Muslim out there giving a prayer, I wonder if he'd have been fired. I, I somehow I don't s- think suspect. anybody would touch that. Yeah. No. You are a great man, a great American, and I am proud to know you. And I just hope people would look at you. Uh, People feel I'm inadequate. I can't. Who am I to stand up? You know, you're not somebody who went to seminary, a- adopted, rejected by your parents. I mean, every excuse in the book to not take a stand. And yet, here you are. And the Lord is blessing you, and He's going to continue blessing you. And so, man, proud to know you. Thank you. Keep, uh, keep holding up the faith. Number five, baby.
2: Hoorah. Thanks, brother. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to On the Edge podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org follow on social media or download the promise keepers app on apple store or google play by searching promise keepers through the promise keepers app you'll receive access to devotionals bible studies and other great articles and video content and a community to build friendships lead your family and become transformative leaders see you next time for on the edge with ken harrison